Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so excited today to be talking about the phenomenal show, The Great, with some of the wonderful artisans behind the camera. We are joined today by executive producer Marion McGowan, costume designer Sharon Long, production designer Francesca Dumatola, and composer Nathan Barr. And, and Marion, starting with you, I mean, your, your history with this project goes back so deep to when Tony mm-hmm. McNamara, the creator and showrunner, originally um, put on a production as a stage play, and then you came on board to option and develop it. And in the way that you've always spoken about it, it sounds like part of what drew you in at that stage was just always the way that the the story was always centered around Catherine and centered around the rise of this woman into a position of power and how she navigates it. And I was interested in just the journey of of going through three seasons of this show and continuing to develop narratively, um, how you kind of always look to Catherine as the center of the story. And then from there, get to look at what's the ripple effect that this then creates on all of the characters that are kind of existing in her ecosystem. Because even when we look at Peter, there's such a cause and effect of every time Catherine does anything, how does that implicate him as a character? I think you've just written the perfect answer to your question question there, really. I'm not entirely sure I have much to add to it. Um, Unquestionably, the thing that appealed to me about the play when I first saw it and why I optioned it was because of the, it it tells the story of a female character who positively affects the world around her. So it's not a woman who works from behind the throne. It's a woman who actually... uh, creates the world and creates the 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 changes that she wanted to do so that's a, a was a very much part of what appealed to me um the other aspect of it which i think is is terribly relevant and i think continues to be so is that what was appealing about it was its anachronistic nature so whilst it was clearly a story set in a very particular time and place it told itself both through the character of catherine and through all the ancillary characters um, in a very contemporary way, because in some ways the story is, is really about a woman who makes, you know, a girl who makes a bad marriage and what she chooses to do about it. Uh, so those things have always, those two aspects of it, I think, have always sort of pulled us through because, and you know, and obviously, which you've sort of hinted at as well, is that her bad marriage is Russia's bad, is her relationship with Russia as well. So the, the way her marriage with Peter works and the way her, her relationship with Russia works is very much synchronistic. Absolutely. And, and Sharon, in coming over to the costumes, um, I, I was very interested in how you went into the beginning of season three in terms of looking at costumes for Catherine and, and particularly the dynamic and relationship of her costumes uh, in line with Peter's costumes. Because when we see them at the beginning of this season, they are in a place of kind of really finding that connectivity and that love and that passion again. And so even just we see lighter colors in her, we see kind of more use of floral. Um, and so how did you set upon determining the the choices that were going to reflect the space of their relationship on screen well we um when when we're sort of designing and in prep we, we're usually just working two episodes ahead so you sort of tend to kind of look at the relationship as it is there and then in season so episode one and two because of the growing love that's I mean it it seemed very sensible and not know, quite knowing what was coming up but um thinking that you've always got to kind of change things and have somewhere to go it seemed a good place for her to be wearing those kind of really strong sort of voluptuous colors and patterns it just seemed the right moment for it really 
Absolutely. And Francesca, in terms of the production design, um, you know, in, in season two, as we saw Catherine's kind of rise and grab of power, you, you've talked in the past about how you, you didn't want to drastically change the production design because she didn't necessarily have the time while trying to run Russia to kind of run around and change elements of interior design. Um, but going into the third season, kind of journeying through that, I was interested in how you kind of gradually started to make small changes that reflected that continuation of power for her or kind of how that was in influencing choices that you were making in terms of the production design. I think we spoke a lot about it with Tony and Marion, if we should implement changes in the palace that reflected um, Catherine's taking over from Peter. And uh, we found that in season two, there wasn't the time to do that so much because the palace was being repaired from the destruction, from the fighting between the two of them. So that's what we see changing in season two. In season three, again, it wasn't really so much about, okay, what shall we show, like how do we show Catherine's reign in the palace? It was more like, what do we need to sort of, what do we need for the scenes? What do we need, where can we go with their story? So I think with Peter and Catherine, sort of their love blooming, what was fun was that we wanted a space for them to inhabit together. And we didn't have that. We had Catherine's apartments and Peter's apartments. And so, and we also wanted to um, widen the world of the palace. So um, widen the scale. So the idea was really to sort of potentially see into a new uh, wing that we hadn't seen. So the discussions were more like, do we do they build a new apartment together or do they uh, restore some old apartments? And that was the, the um, direction we went. So they take over what used to be uh, Peter the Great's apartments, so Peter's dad, and that sort of um, tied in with the storyline that T Tony wanted to explore of the relationship between Peter and his dad. So um, we, I don't think we had yet the opportunity to show how Catherine changes the palace. It's more like what happens around her and scene by scene, what do we do to the palace to... Um, yeah, show what either what she's doing or what's happening around her and the other characters. I love that. And, and Nathan, in coming over to you and talking about the music composition, I actually wanted to start off by talking about just the, the introductory composition over the title credits, because that was a different sound this season. And I, I was interested in kind of how you landed upon what you wanted the tone of that sound to be. And even just the very specific note that you gave the musicians in that final note where you told them all to play any note that they wanted because it kind of starts very structured and then descends into chaos. And all of that is just within the space of a few seconds. Yeah. It's always exciting when you hear that there's going to be a main title on a show. And then I found out the main title was like six seconds long or seven seconds. Nine, nine, Nathan. Nine, nine, oh, sorry. nine seconds. Nine. Very generously, nine seconds. <laughs> so no, it was really cool. Um, and uh, I think we, Marion, we we did a couple before I landed on the one that you you guys felt was right. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, so it and that and that last chord was really about um, on the day uh, with the orchestra. Um, I thought I'd give so, so I'd written it out as a sort of a harmonious chord, and and there's a lot in the show that's not har harmonious. And so I just, uh, we, we did one other pass and I, yeah, I said to the orchestra, I said, so when we get here, you guys play the the note on your page and, and then all of you others play anything you want and let's see what happens. And that's the one that Mary and Tony chose. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's all about, um, what, I'm trying to remember, Marion, what, what, the first two passes or so that we did, what were, what were we not getting that we finally arrived to? 
I think they were there. I think one of them was sort of slightly too chirpy. Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah. And um, yeah. and I think I can't recall what the other one was, but I think it was I think it was probably moving slightly more towards where we ended up. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Like, all yeah. works of genius, of course. It was just getting the tone right. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I love the idea that you got them all to play a note like that. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was fun. It was like one of those great little last minute just spur of the moment. Oh, we should try this. And, and I love that you guys chose that because I did send over both versions. So I love that you chose mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it was good. It was very good. I feel like it, it it hits the narrative structure of the show on the head completely, just that final note. <laughs> yeah. Play whatever note you want. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> And, and Marion, for you, you know, kind of going into season three of this show, it's it's a show that's always had such a distinct and such a unique voice from the very beginning, from those first few seconds of episode one in season one. Um, but it feels like it kind of really trusts the audience at this point to kind of come along with the journey. And so how have you found that the audience understanding and being a part of the language of the show has really evolved and grown some of the creative choices that you're able to make on a series like this? I think there are probably two aspects to that. One is that uh, by this, by season three, you're kind of understanding that the audience is getting what you're trying to do. But the other thing is we're understanding a lot more about our characters and our world as well. So that's that's both liberating and you know and exciting at the same time because you can you can sort of you realize that you've got more. You can flex your muscles more. You can let the characters move in different directions. I think it also in season three gave us the opportunity to explore all the other characters in a much more, you know, interesting way. You know, you know, they all had sort of their own stories. They all had their own character. Not that they don't, they didn't in the previous seasons, they do, but it certainly allowed us to, to expand that world. You know, the possibility sort of when you're thinking about it, you're looking at this, this sort of landscape, so to speak, and it's got a lot of characters and a lot of people that you can, a lot of elements that you can play around with. Yeah. And and Sharon and Francesca, when it comes to research elements for visual aspects on screen, I wanted to ask you about that in regards to the fact that the show does open up that creative freedom of it is a period piece, but it also has a modern lens. So you don't always have to be completely rigid in terms of the structure and how you're creating certain choices. Um, And I was interested in kind of like how you both find your starting point of what are we going to research, you know, because it doesn't just have to be specific to Russia at that time period. And kind of once you start kind of going large scope, how you then start to narrow down the choices that you're making. Um, And Sharon, maybe I'll come to you first. Um, I think this time for the um, when I was researching actually the 18th century, I looked at drawings rather than paintings because there's so much more movement in sketches and they're much uh, lively it gave me much more information on how they wore their clothes rather than what they were wearing which is kind of what I thought would be important lifting skirts and kind of um creases not having corsets on all the time there's lots of information in these little drawings um and then quite a lot of fashion references um look depending on what really it depends on what the costume is and I I researched for each costume independently. So rather than just block research, it has to be each person and each character. I love that. And for you, Francesca? I think in my case is, again, it's really scene oriented. So depending on what's happening, I mean, of course, like when preparing season three, 
and deciding to build new sets. There were there was specific research that went into it, but it was more about understanding what scenes we knew as much as possible was going to happen within those spaces and how we could structure um, the architecture and and think about the space. So therefore, I sort of I start from what's on the script and then. Um, delve into my research so it's not specifically looking at um russian palaces or or anything it's just uh, so if there's something like for example we build a, a big new hall a games a games room and i knew certain scenes that were going to happen in there and so i just thought there's there's an element of voyeurism that could happen in that in that room so i was at one point discussing with Tony and Marion, should there be frescoes on the walls? Should there be like people uh, watching? And uh, Trump, the idea of Trump like keeps coming back and I don't know that I've done it enough. But like, so I went down the whole research of Trump Lyle and characters from the 18th century. And I ended up looking at palaces in Italy and all, all over the world really. And then we narrowed it down and we sort of didn't really do, we do have uh, frescoes of two big horses on the upper level of the games room, which are actually kind of looking down at the um, audience, not audience, but at the people that would be downstairs. And we discarded the idea of the people, but there was there was a whole process that was influenced by what um, scenes were going to happen in that room. And same for Peter's bedroom also, the way the room was structured, divided in bedroom, main area and a study. At one point in the study, there was the idea that maybe a couple would move in uh, the choggle cloths and then that sort of evolved and didn't happen. But there was a symmetry in the room that was fun and potentially was going to uh, be, uh, was going to help that idea and uh, and just the way we played with architecture. So it's sort of, informing um, my research uh yeah what tony's written that's wonderful and and nathan when you first started working on the show how did you land upon what you felt the overarching sound of it should be because you know there was that possibility that you could have gone down a more specifically russian route in terms of the sound but you know you've kind of really strayed away from that i believe that there's a, a russian instrument that you use a lot of times sometimes in the background for peter specifically um and i was interested in kind of just how you found that initial mm-hmm. scope of sound and, and that specific choice not to go in that direction but to have little sprinklings of it from place to place yeah um um maggie phillips uh, who's the wonderful music supervisor on the show she was part of i think mary she's right part of the process of sort of figuring out the, the composer um and so i wrote a demo for it and she said you know you should just throw out the rule book because a lot of the demos that have been coming in have been really you know very straight down the center uh orchestral or russian and and so the the demo that I wrote had a lot of like contemporary synth elements in it. Um, and that I think that's what was appealing about it. Um, just as we're talking about anachronist, anachronisms in the show. So yeah, I'll uh, regularly have like a orchestral thing going and then there'll be something sort of electronic and pulsy pushing it along underneath, which, which lifts the show out of being just sort of a straight ahead um, uh yeah russian sort of sounding drama and i think like yeah the balalaika is a three-string russian instrument and that that's worked really nicely to sort of tip its hat to russia without being over the top about it um but i think um it was exciting to understand that we we weren't going to be doing that and and i think um yeah yeah it was just uh i love the i love the additional there's the there were these albums back in the 70s 
by Wendy Carlos, like switched on Bach, it was called. And, and she did all these wonderful yeah. arrangements of Bach on synth and like Moog synthesizers. And so certainly um, this is sort of a, like a, a nod to that a bit. It's it's really fun to watch period things going on with contemporary sounds. Great. And, and Marianne, um, in talking about spoiler territory for season three, I <laughs> wanted to talk about the decision of when and where Peter's death was going to occur in the season, because it it sounds like there were a lot of conversations with Tony about where does it feel right narratively to execute this in the story? Um, you know, does it come at the end of the season? Does it come near the beginning? Does it come somewhere near the middle? Um, and I was very curious about what those conversations looked like and ultimately what it was that that led to that final decision of if we put it in the middle of the season and we put it partway through, then we get to explore the after effect of, of Catherine in the remaining episodes of the season. I think angst ridden would be the correct phrase for almost all of those conversations. <laughs> I mean, it's an extraordinarily difficult thing to do, of course, sort of allow one of your, you know, your one of your central characters to not to, to exit your show and consciously do that, you know. Um uh because we knew we knew that we knew about Orlo and that he needed he wanted to leave and we sort of organized that so that was a sort of much simpler decision they i think the the deciding factor was primarily um allowing the series not not ending with it um gave us more freedom uh, as regards the other characters as regards the effect of the of the of the demise, all those sorts of elements, we could explore those for four or five seasons, four or five episodes, if if it if it occurs where we put it in the in the final show. So that certainly became critical for us. And it was also what it then allowed us to do was in a way to explore grief in a different way as well. So instead of you know keening and acres of you know ponds and ponds of tears we got to explore that in another way as well so that plus the effect on the rest of the court and how it you know the ramifications so but yes it it was an angst-ridden decision it was definitely an angst-ridden decision I mean it it, it executes but you don't know the, the bottom line is you know the bottom line sorry I interrupted you the bottom line is you don't know you don't know how it's going to fall in a way so it's very much a, a gut instinct yeah, I mean, I think it works really powerfully with where it landed in the season in the end. Oh, good. Um, and, it, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and Sharon, in terms of the costumes for that episode and just yeah. even looking at the, you know, again, going back to that like synchronicity between Catherine and Peter in that moment where you've got him in the darker furs and her in kind of that white leopard fur that's kind of reminiscent, but there's also such an innocence to putting her in kind of a white kind of like cream palette in that scene um what led you to those specific choices for for her costumes and then the the relationship between both of theirs and those final moments together I think there was quite a few conversations that had it had to be um a, it was a very important moment so there's quite a few conversations with Tony and Marion about what you know what it could be that would read um they had to look sort of beautiful and um to make the death even more tragic and I I, I did think that that her, that being the only time that she's she wears an animal print and they're you know kind of coming together and she's trying to sort of lure him back to the to the palace um and and that and them still you know coming together but they're still the kind of opposites of each other 
was the way to go. I, sometimes I don't quite know how it comes to the decisions. There's lots of conversations looking at, fam- in, you know, and there's reasons coming from, you know, different people from Tony or Marion for not using one thing. So you end up, you know, going in a different direction and, and sort of seeking that. I think, Pete, funny enough, I think Peter's costume was the first to have decisions made because of the repeats. So the fabric had to be um, made for the show because there was nothing he had to he had to be wearing a uniform because of the plot lines and the storyline he couldn't be wearing a uniform like anybody else wears a uniform because he's peter so finding a fabric that would do that and do be the uniform and be peter was quite tricky and we ended up getting it woven um, ready for him so that was an early decision that then you know brought the fabric in on time and Francesca, for you, he has look good in the water as well. <laughs> did you do, did you do any water tests to see how it was going to look? Since you just mentioned, uh, that? yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and for you, Francesca, for you and your team, um, once you kind of looked at the script and looked at the detailing of a scene like that, what felt important to you in terms of the landscape that you wanted to build around such a monumental moment in the show? I think for us, it was more of a technical challenge on how to achieve and how to go about the build of the frozen lake. And creatively, I mean, again, there was a lot of conversations where and how and what is the landscape. I mean, I think the the ice was always there. It sort of went somewhere else and came back to the ice and the idea that that conveyed a more dramatic um, landscape for for what was going to happen. And for us, just filming that in August, I think it was August, but it was summer anyways in in uh, in England, but still it was quite hot and and uh, and just creating the ice because we did build portion of that lake and our scenic team did an amazing job, but it wasn't it wasn't that straightforward and we we built it twice because there's it just technically changes when Elizabeth goes back to look for Peter's body and uh, so it was a fun challenge and very diff- just a very different build for our show. And we all really enjoyed and, and st- struggled, but enjoyed it a lot. And, and similarly for you, Nathan, how did you land upon the specific sounds that you wanted to reflect kind of that? And then how did it influence the, the way that you looked at the rest of the music composition in the preceding episodes for Catherine? I think... Um it's so beautifully shot. And I was so interested to hear about the water test with the fabric because it looks so amazing. Uh, so yeah, I guess that makes sense that you would test. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, there's like a beautiful ethereal, you know, uh, look to the, to the, to Peter sinking down. Um, and so I think that's how we kind of landed on the slightly ethereal sound for, for what's happening in the score in that moment. Um and in terms of like the way it it didn't really shift too much the the remaining bits of the season. Um, I mean, the, the music uh, in the show is so much about transitions. You know, it's it's such a quick show. It keeps you on your feet at all times, and the music is there to help make all the short, you know, really quick turns that, in the story. Um, so yeah, not 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 much uh, not much changed after that. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, hopefully, if there's another season uh, where the where the score will take us. The other thing, just just to add, just to add a little bit to Nathan's comments about the ice lake, the thing that his music does so beautifully in that in that lake sequence was melded with the sounds. So the wind, so I was just 
complimenting you, Nathan, on the way in which the music on the icy lake melds so beautifully with the wind sounds so that it you're never quite sure where the music ends and where the sound starts. So that was very important to us. And it's a sort of, it was beautifully done. I just wanted to add that. I mean, you're, you're talking there about kind of like quick emotional beats and, and turns. And in terms of the music composition, when you step back and you you look at that in the episodes, there's so many moments where you're creating these really powerful emotional beats in just a matter of a few seconds in terms of what you've composed. And so what are the challenges that come with having to create multiple pieces of music throughout a, throughout a singular episode? And also looking at how do I use maybe five seconds, maybe eight seconds, maybe 10 seconds to really capture everything that's going on in this scene? Yeah. Um, so yeah, in terms of the those those quick little turns, um, yeah, it's it's one of the big challenges of the the show because um there might be 12 minutes of music in an episode but broken up into like 30 different cues and so every single one of those cues has a different purpose it's serving a different set of characters and circumstances and so the review process must be a pretty daunting for you guys too Marianne and Tony but uh yeah it's it's um it's uh it's it's one of the the fun things about the show but it's also one of the enormously challenging things and it's never about fixing a performance really is it it's just about gently supporting um and 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 Marianne and Tony and 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 me we're just very careful never to like you know gild the lily so um, we never want to go too far pushing the emotion um or be too overtly comical because it sort of takes away from what's on the screen, which is already so strong. And Francesca, kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier in terms of when Catherine first has her ascension to power, the way that it doesn't immediately change the environment around her, was that similar in terms of how you wanted to approach the loss of Peter in this in this season as well, in terms of maybe it doesn't change everything immediately, but it'll be a longer term thing if there's if there's another season, or how did you want to approach that? Definitely. I think I think it all goes, for me at least, the way. I I see it. It's so much about her journey and every other and the other characters also like reacting to what has happened. So it's quite intimate. And uh, again, it's plot led and the scenes that we had, we had some some really big scenes like the play, for example, which was. Um, I mean, that was a big, big design um, element for us. And uh, I, I, Catherine is taken there just because I think there's an opportunistic moment. I don't know if that's the right word that um, some characters see like Georgina through her suffering and through her not being quite uh, there and being so unhinged emotionally unhinged. I don't know if that's the right word, but I mean, her suffering, uh, some characters take advantage. And so they put on display, which maybe wouldn't have happened um, had, um, had Peter not died. And, and so I think there's, there's things that happen with the story that sort of prompted design, but it's, we never spoke. I don't think we did speak Marion about, Oh, the palace now should change. She, she doesn't have it. That wasn't in our, in our heads. And so it's potentially something to that will um, happen in the future. But again, it's like, it, there's always something big happening in the show. So it's difficult to show like the I, I just feel like the character doesn't character um Catherine is not someone who's you know interested in 
in the looks of the palace that much. If she's building a new um, salon, it's be- it, there's a reason behind it. It's to celebrate women. So, for example, in in uh, season two, when we had uh, what we called Shaky's Salon, which was a, a salon where the walls were covered by portraits of women of court, there was a story reason behind it. And it wasn't decorative per se at all. It's never that. Um, however, I think aesthetically, we know now what works well for the shows and the rooms. And so we can react quite quickly with what's on paper. And suddenly we're creating a new room and it's just happening. And we don't even know, like, we it, it, there, isn't enough, there isn't a long prep, prep, but we're able to do it because there's an aesthetic that I think we, we landed upon um, three seasons on. Do you agree, Marion? I think it's. I do. I do. I do agree. Yeah. And and Sharon, I wanted to ask you about the the costume for Elle in that final scene at the end of the last episode because it's such a fantastic look from kind of the the use of color with the black and kind of that very dark blue kind of seeping into each other and even just the structure of of what that costume is with the really kind of wide waist point. Um, and so what what kind of process led you to these feel like the right colors for her emotional state and this feels like the structure of the costume that we want her to be in for a scene like this well her her the haircut came first really so her sort of uh, she was scripted not with the colors but with the with the haircut coming at the end and it just seemed after we we kind of I did various mood boards and took them to show uh, Marion and Tony with some different ideas of how you could end that sort of uh, period of period of distress where she's wearing Peter's clothing and how you bring her out of that, but don't, don't you couldn't possibly go into colour, but nor really go into full mourning. Um, even though I really wanted, I I kept thrusting mourning boards and everybody came, oh, let's just do some mourning. But um, it was never really going to happen in, you know, in story-wise, that wasn't the way that the court was running. It wasn't, it's it's um, a world of its own. So it just, it that just seemed the perfect end, really, that it should be so simple. Um, I found a piece of fabric that seemed to answer you know, it just answered everything that I wanted to do. And and I think we all agreed that simplicity was the way to go, that it should be long sleeves. Um, because of the dancing, we did a whole set of underpinnings that were quite different. So they got they were quite light and huge. So it bounced. Um, but I love that. Oh, yeah, I love that dress. I love that end sequence. I think she looks great. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of it just all sort of works then with the with the wig. I mean, we did have a little dress rehearsal in the fitting room. <laughs> Amazing. And and Marion, for you, once you knew that that was the the cumulative scene of of the season, because it's such a fantastic one, what felt important to you to really kind of communicate and all the different creative choices that were coming together for a scene like that? I think it was there was a fair amount of angst inherent in that scene as well, for obvious reasons, because it just breaks the wall so so profoundly. I think it was I think it was just that was uh, is it going to are we going to be able are we going to know when we're with her and when we're watching her? That was that became it was actually one of the most difficult scenes we've ever edited as well for that very reason, because you were always trying you always needed to be sure that you were with her or what when you were with her and when you were watching her 
and whether you just you had to be very yeah you had to be very careful that there was no self-consciousness in it that there was yeah you always remained in the right place emotionally in order for the audience to understand where the story why 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 this was happening and what this effect was going to be so yeah and it did but I mean as, as Sharon quite rightly said the simplicity of it plays absolutely into into that moment yeah and this it seems like an emotional release I think the whole yeah, yeah. you know the, the whole thing really I didn't know that about the underpinnings. That's a that, that's why. Yeah, I no, that, no, we, they got they well, they didn't got natural bounce, but we. It's got uh, natural. Bounce. I mean, I say we. I mean, obviously, it was Catherine in the workroom, kind of yeah, 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 yeah. trying to make sure that they were light enough to dance, and then also, I don't know how she managed to do it with a tight. Yeah, I, I agree. Yes. She can actually get yes. her arms yeah, yeah. above her head. Yeah. I noticed that as well. It's almost like. Up. Natural bounce is almost like a fabric softener advertisement that we can use. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's clever. Well, I yeah, really, know. really love all these details. The craftsmanship in this show is always absolutely exquisite. So thank you so much to all of you for sharing all of this today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.